Do you lie awake and ponder ponds of microscopic life? Expose yourself to exoplanets high up in the night? Are you crazed for kinematics? Do you fantasize of fauna? Everybody's got a question, luckily we're gonna Unpack the stack of facts that you think back to every day Attack your ignorance, you'll be unmatched in every way Sit down and lend an ear, all the answers will be clear I'm running out of rhymes, I'll let the host take it from here Hey Ellie. Hey. I was wondering, uh, I've got some questions about the moon today, actually, and I was, I was hoping you could could tell me uh, if, if what, what my experience has been is, is true to life, because uh, growing up, I, I mostly heard legends of uh, the, the first fi the fish who had taught humans how to move and bend the tides and uh, control the waterway and it's it's through the balance of this fish and its brethren that the the water and the moon are able to be connected so strongly together until one day of course this fish was unfortunately killed in a raid and then my girlfriend had to sacrifice herself and suddenly she became the fish wow so your girlfriend became the moon yeah that's rough buddy and so is that is that base? Am I correct on that's how the moon and tides operate? That is a basically one to one thing. My girlfriend is imbuing the world with enough strength to allow the tides to move. I mean, since your girlfriend is the moon, yeah, that's basically exactly what's going on. That was actually pretty close to what we're going to talk about, uh, which is tides. girl so, boss power. Heck yeah. So I feel like this is pretty good. Yeah, I think that was a great intro into into tides because it's the the gravitational pull from the moon which causes tidal force in the ocean um I mean, it was a great jumping off point for everybody who understands nickelodeon cartoons from the mid-2000s yeah everyone would, else will be a little lost <laughs> actually a, a lot of us who didn't have nickelodeon uh growing up because they didn't have cable uh were able to catch up on the show as adults because they put yeah. it on netflix I'm I'm sorry. You're right. The Netflix representation matters. They were an integral part. Uh, so, thank you, uh, Netflix the Avatar adults. You are now the reason we are getting two Avatar: The Last Airbender movies. So, hell yes. Yeah, yeah, we are getting another. I actually no. I'm sorry. What is definitely the first Avatar: The Last Airbender um, movie? There was never an Avatar: The Last. They're, Airbender. they're doing anim. They're making them animated. They're they're doing animated movies. I'm saying that there there isn't currently. Oh yeah, no, there, no, there was never a movie. There's no movie. There's never, never yeah. a movie. Like, M.I. Chamon had that weird fanfic thing, but that's not related to the Avatar at all. That was not an Avatar: The Last Airbender no. movie. Because he didn't understand how tides work, unlike us. Yeah, and we're gonna share all of this with you, so you don't make the same mistakes that M. Night Shyamalan made in the not Avatar: The Last Airbender movie. We call that the Arrow Arrowhead movie. Oh, that'll work. Yeah. I guess. The arrow's <laughs> barely a part. Like he doesn't even talk about oh, the movies. That's so it's just so bad. Anyway, we're I not here. It. it doesn't exist. <laughs> so how how so, do tides work, Ellie? Yeah. So today we're gonna talk about the tidal force. And uh we're gonna do a little bit of math today. I know I promised no math heavy episodes. This is a math light episode. Um still sounds like too much for me, but I'll let it slide. I feel like we've probably told our, our listeners about this before that I are very early on pitched an episode about calculus and you were like, Ellie, if you put Matt in the show, I'm quitting. <laughs> it, I know you understood it and I know you understood the explanation you gave me. 
I, I, as the avatar for the audience to bring it back around, I, I, I cannot envision a world where we do not lose a good like 70% of our, our listeners with that one. But like the 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 leave it no, in. No, no, I'm just I'm just gonna cut you off. We can talk about the math that is involved in like the gravitational pull from the moon that moves the tides back. That I allowed. We will allow that in court. Thank you. But striking calculus from that record. Well, we're gonna talk about arrows a lot. So I actually feel like we're gonna keep the Avatar theme like pretty <laughs> effectively through the explanation. Crap, um, a runner. <laughs> So the tidal force, which is the the gravitational pull from the moon, it causes the ocean to bulge almost on the sides that are closest to and farthest from the moon. So those are the Mm -hmm. two points of highest tide. So wherever the moon is and on the opposite side of the earth where the moon is from. And then the opposite of that is where the reversing it. Yes, I know that I'm using my hands for this explanation, which is not helpful. No, I, I was really trying to think, like, how do I describe what she's doing with her hands? And it, like, it, she, she's starting in the center, and then it's like it's rotating. And I, I wish I could be more visually descriptive than that. But yeah, well, so I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that everyone at this point is imagining a globe of some kind. <laughs> if you're not the imagining type, please look up a globe. It's going to be really helpful. Uh, maybe a globe with a moon. On the side Picture the earth or or find one for visual aid if with a moon so if there's a moon in the earth the part of the earth that is closest to the moon and absolutely mm-hmm. furthest from the moon and then the furthest point from each of those so if you've got your circle promise i'm not getting too mathy but you've got 360 degrees in a circle right mm-hmm. so a quarter of a circle is 90 degrees so if okay. you rotate 90 degrees you either get a high tide or a low tide around the globe I think that makes sense. I can follow. I hope everybody else can sort of visualize that as well. So. This isn't the math part. This is just leading into the math, math. part. So I'm, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> uh, so the side of the earth that's closest to the moon is subject to the strongest gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. So you can and, see why the tide would be higher there. Cause like right. literally, that makes sense. What it's, got it's me was the, furthest... to the moon at the moment in time. What got me was that there's another high tide at the furthest point from the moon. And this was the one that like took me a while to wrap my head around. Mm. Cause like thinking better than- is it the same reason of just like the, the gravity has kind of pulled it in such a way that even on the opposite end, it still is kind of like pushing the water like to a higher tide. So, so it actually has to do with the fact that like the gravitational pull is, is the weakest on the furthest direction from the moon. Okay. That's what causes the, so the tidal force is the average pull of gravity from the moon. Okay. So it kind of helps to start thinking about the moon, but then you also have to think about the measure of how much gravity is, the gravitational pull between the moon and the earth is. So the center of the earth and the center of the moon. Right. And then also, the pull of the moon on each part of the earth right okay so and how the gravity is going to affect where it's being pulled from or where it's pulling from so the tidal force is the average pull of gravity from the center of the moon or from Mm. the center of the earth um subtracted from the pull on each location got it the reason that it's so strong on the other side is because the pull towards the moon which would be into the center of the earth is so small Mm. Um, so it actually causes that similar bulge of water on both sides. 
Okay, uh, there we go. If you are a very visual person like me, there are some fantastic diagrams with like arrows that show how all of the pull the polls happen. Um, I, I spent a really long time looking at a, a, mm. a globe and a moon with a bunch of arrows on it uh, while yeah, I was trying sure. to do research for this. Yeah, I, guess, I guess look those up on, you know, visual mediums are, are hard to present in a in audio form, unfortunately, but there will be that's links. What we have the internet for. <laughs> there will be links. Exactly. You can follow it's along. Provided- on the diagrams I was looking at while I was writing the episode, but that's yep. the best way I can think of it. So you have the average pull from the moon and that the way that you think about that, if you're thinking about average gravity, you're always going from the center of mass. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's just both the gravities from the moon and the earth kind of pulling against each other and right. interacting in different fun ways. Right. Um, so it's actually, I think it's kind of cool as well is that the sun actually causes tidal movement too. Oh, really? Okay. And it's much further away. So sure. it doesn't, it doesn't change the lunar tide to the point where like mm-hmm. the moon isn't the most important thing, but right. it changes the magnitude of the tide throughout the month as the moon is rotating around the earth. Gotcha. Okay. Just because it has its own sense of gravitational pull. So it's, you know, maybe not as strong, but it still has its own sense of pull. Yes. Yeah. So um, obviously because the sun is pulling on the earth, that's why the solar system stays the way that it is. So yeah, okay. Just like the moon is in orbit around the earth, we're in orbit around the sun, and that's all because of gravity. Yes. Um, and so, um, obviously, if, sun, if the sun's gravity is acting upon the earth, that would affect the tides. But the moon is much closer, and so the moon's so effect going to have a stronger pull because of that proximity. So that's where you get the daily tides. So there's two high right. tide points, two low tide points. That has to do with where the moon is is at any point in time. And then the sun just affects it in smaller ways, depending on where we are in the rotation of the solar system. Exactly. And so as, right. So literally, so as the earth, the earth rotates once a day, the moon rotates around us once a month, we go around the sun once a year. (laughs) What's relevant for this is that the earth is rotating once a day. So that's how you get those four tides. Mm -hmm. And as the moon rotates around the earth, it's going to be either in line with the sun or on the opposite side of the sun, or it's that same 90 degree thing that happens. Gotcha. And so as the moon is rotating around the earth, when the three are lined up, that actually the sun will amplify the magnitude of the tides a little bit. So those are called spring tides. Gotcha. Okay. So Cause that's it. Against each other. Right. Those yeah, forces. It's both the, the gravity from the sun and the moon working together to make these tides. These, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So those are called the spring tides. And How then, often does this happen? Do you do we know, or is it random? It's the same. It's the same thing. So when the three and, the three line up, so the the moon gotcha. is going around the Earth once a month. So I, I think the spring tides those should happen once a month. I think it has to do with yeah, yeah. Change the magnitude of the tide throughout the month. That's what I have written down. We're going with month. Um, <laughs> Trust the research. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's my research though. So you know, always <laughs> quote Sheen from Jimmy Neutron: "Never argue with the data." Yeah, but I don't have any data here, so. Well, then I guess you've got nothing to argue against, so you're right. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, so then similarly, you have the, the opposite. I just like the name of these, so we're going to talk about these too. Uh, and this is when the moon and the sun are pulling against each other, so they'll partially cancel out. But again, moon is stronger, so they're still tides. They're just smaller, but they're called mm. neap tides. Neap. Mm-hmm. Now, who came yeah. up? Do we know who, who came up with that word? That seems like something you would name. Thank you. (laughs) 
I do hope I get to name something someday. That would be kind of cool. I have no idea what I would name it though. There'd be so much pressure. You will probably name it after a, an obscure hero or like fictional or real you like, or you're going to just throw a bunch of syllables together and if it makes you giggle, then that's the new name. Shakespeare style make up a word. Yeah. 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 You just also naming something after Shakespeare too. Oh yeah. I would, I would do that. Yeah. I feel like there's not enough overlap between Shakespeare and science. Somebody named the gene Sonic the Hedgehog. And I, I'm realizing now might be the first time we've talked about that on the podcast, which isn't right. I'm hoping that's not true, but. It is true. Oh, that's absolutely true. We have to learn about it in class. No, I, I, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. We haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. That seems like something we really should have brought up before. I don't think we have though. Uh, and uh, like off mic, obviously I'm just trying like listeners, please correct us if I'm wrong, but like somehow the tides episode is our first name drop of the Sonic the Hedgehog genome. I can't believe that. Cause like, I, I literally learned it. We had to learn about it in class. Cause it's like yeah, a common like, cellular. So it's like, I, I can't remember if it's a gene or a protein, but I do know it's a, it's like part of a cellular process. It doesn't. Um, like overlap be damned. It's the Sonic the Hedgehog genome now. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> we're doomed. Like that's, it's yeah. It's the Sonic the Hedgehog gene. And I don't remember what it does. <laughs> That's the thing that was, I feel like if it had a cool name, I should remember what it does. And I was like, I don't think, <laughs> I, I really want it to be in the mitochondrion and that it helps people go fast. Oh, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. So what I'm really hoping, and I, I just, I just don't remember what it does. Um, so well, again, this is a tease for apparently another episode where we just talk about 80s video games that also had an impact on science. I was going to say, I can probably find a bunch of stuff that's named for various pop culture things and we could do a, a, a conglomerate episode of those things. We're doing it. It's happening. That That's okay. either a bonus episode or or one we'll, we'll throw together when, when other ones fall through. I'm writing it down. Okay, done. So back to tides. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, something else that can affect tidal patterns is the wind and the weather. So that, cause that affects ocean behavior as a whole. Sure. Um, if, so, it, if, if it's windy, I imagine tides get affected a little bit by that. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Uh, <laughs> you've nailed it. Um, Sometimes science is easy. <laughs> actually, it usually kind of makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Sometimes the world just works the way you hope it works. Sometimes yeah. scientists get it wrong. Sometimes they're like, no, it was that simple. Yeah. And even if you get it wrong, you kind of hope that you're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. I just <laughs> didn't think about it that way. And not why, which also happens. <laughs> uh, reassuring that, that it's one of the two reactions. I, I've definitely had some data where I've looked at it. And I was like, why would you do this to me? Um, like I, tides. I, tides we got. Tides, I, I think I think we're on board. So the if the wind is pushing the ocean water, so if you have strong winds, it can work with or against the tides, but mm -hmm. it'll change the magnitude of the effect on the shore, right? So if your tide, if your wind is blowing out into the ocean, mm -hmm. it's pushing against the water that's coming in for the high right. tide. So it makes the tides smaller, and smaller. they're going to recede in. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then strong storms like hurricanes make it much worse. So it's good to know. So the hurricanes are coming into the shore. So that can, so if you have a hurricane surge with a high tide, it makes the high tide much worse. So like that's right. 
good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, more water, it's more flooding. Yeah, and that hurricane surge can come with the tide, right? So if your tide is bigger and you have the wind effect uh, during high tide versus low tide. It's good, good adding to our storm preparedness episode, uh, keeping in mind that the ocean has a daily cycle. it changes how much uh, the hurricane is going to fuck you over. So pay attention to that too if you live in a coastal area. Exactly. And something else that I wanted to, to touch on, and this is a bit of a like Maritimes uh, shout out, is uh, by Maritimes, I mean, uh, that's the region of Canada that I live in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is just shout like, to our, okay. like 10 listeners from there. When I, when I was getting ready to move here, I had multiple people be like, go see the Bay of Bundy. It's so cool. So this is like, claim to fame so this is why and it's title it's a title effect so this is like are we paid for by the the tourism board over there yet like is this <laughs> this what's happening did you not tell me about new sponsorship opportunities we're getting oh i can i can send this episode to tourism new brunswick and see what happens um go for it <laughs> so the bay of fundy has the largest tides in the world do you want me to say it's like a tourism ad or do you want me to I was just say it feels like you're i know you're not but it feels like you're reading a prompt right now I can make it worse. I was doing, I was trying to do it like a, like an ad. <sighs> All right, here we, so this is our, for, for any future advertisers out there, here, here's our first take at, at reading ads. So let's, let's go. New Brunswick and Nova Scotia have much to offer in the way of tourism. From Peggy's Cove to the Bay of Fundy, there is everything you need for a great maritime time. The Bay of Bundy has the biggest has the biggest tides in the world. They can have tidal movement up to 53 feet per day. And the other side of the Scotian Peninsula has tidal movement of eight feet. And the average height and variation in sea level across the earth is at only three feet. How was that? Sorry, I instinctively hit 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds till it was over. What? <laughs> Uh, I could also try and do it like a pure Michigan commercial for our very <laughs> small band of overlap. I, I cannot listeners. wait to hear your Tim Allen impression. I don't have a Tim Allen impression. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a Tim Allen impression? Would you be willing to do a Tides commercial like Tim Allen? <clears throat> uh? That's all I got. I don't know what that was. Did you not watch Home Improvement? Mm-mm. The entire show was he gets hit in the head with hammer and then oh and then he talks to the neighbor who he can't see about why him hitting himself in the the hammer was a sign of his masculinity and fragility sounds like a great show it i always said home improvement works because tim allen was always in the wrong and realized it by the end of the episode Mm -hmm. last man standing doesn't work because tim allen is always in the right and everybody else realizes that by the end of the episode Mm. one is good storytelling one is boring bad and preachy in a show that gets moved to country music television fair 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 i haven't seen either of these my my tim allen canon is pretty much limited to buzz Buzz my story feels like the only thing well you must have seen the santa clauses i think i maybe saw the first one one time that's arguably it's like the most real movie of them and then the second one goes hard into like we're a kid's thing Oh, okay. The first one deals with like divorce, which is weird to watch like as an adult. Like you ignore that part as a kid, but then you watch it as an adult and you're like, a lot of this is over like parental rights. 
yeah I remember that and then wasn't it like there was like a whole thing where like the mom didn't like Christmas because she didn't get the one present <laughs> she didn't get, she her. get the present she at the get end her pretty dress up doll no, no she didn't hate Christmas she was disappointed but um her her stephusband who uh is played by Judge Reinhold do, he does hate Christmas because he never got his uh weenie whistle Os- Oscar Mayer weenie whistle oh right she also never got her dolly as a girl but she doesn't hate Christmas that's just why she doesn't believe anymore. Okay, that's weird. why they don't believe in Santa. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Those movies are weird. I I only remember the scene where they're both standing there with gifts, like looking up in awe at Santa. My only memory of the Santa Claus movie is like the parents uh, <laughs> looking up at, at the Santa Claus thing. And I, I remember him falling off the roof. And then like that's why Tim yeah. becomes Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the crux of the movie. If you kill Santa, yeah. then you gotta be Santa. That makes sense. Okay. Um, they don't, North Pole makes the rules. Tim Allen doesn't make the rules. It sounds like Tim Allen made the rules. He literally didn't. He picked up a business card. You should, I, I, I know it's June. You should definitely rewatch the Santa Claus just to watch how truly batshit insane those movies, at least the first one is. Mm. The second one is better because there is a clause where he has to get married or he can't be Santa. What? <laughs> it's called, hold on, hold on. It's called the Mrs. Clause. No. Yeah, of course. Of no. course it is. You can't have a Santa that's single, Ellie. The, what, what would the kids think? That Santa's Santa? No, no. It'd be, they'd be confused because remember when this was about tides and now we're talking about <laughs> Tim Allen being like contractually obligated to marry a woman. <laughs> anyway, also Disney. Not, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was well. So this all stemmed from the fact that I was going to try to talk you into doing a pure Michigan commercial <laughs> about tides, which is not really like the Great Lakes don't have tides, but I do feel like there's you could do a a a, a Bay of Fundy pure Michigan commercial. I. I suppose I could, but I probably will not be doing that today. Mm, I don't think I can do it. Like, I don't know if I have a Tim Allen impression. I think I could maybe get the cadence because I just remember we used to do a parody of the Pure Michigan commercials in my mm. my family where we would do like the true Pure Michigan. Right. It would be like, we'd be like sitting in the cold and rain, slapping mosquitoes by a damp campfire. Uh oh. <laughs> Is that a new pothole? Pure Michigan. <laughs> Your trip begins in Michigan Network. <laughs> and Tim Allen both has a distinctive voice, but like not one that is like, the, is there somebody who can do a Tim Allen impression out there? I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Is he an easily doable one? Like, you know, a, a walk-in or a, a De Niro or whoever? Not, not there. Yeah. I have a Buzz Lightyear impression, but like it's from when I was really little. So I feel like it's not going to. I bet it's still spot on. I can't imagine your voice has changed at all since you were like six years old. I'm sure it hasn't. It's probably exactly the same. Yeah. Also, I'm sure my Buzz and Woody impressions when I was four were spot on. Of course course they were. I mean, your parents told you they were great. So they must have been great. My parents, they believed that I was Buzz. I told them that I was Buzz Lightyear because I had the costume. I mean, and they ended. called me Buzz Lightyear, so I'm assuming they believed it me. was that good. Like, yeah. why would they just fib about something like that? So I, clearly, as a kid, you had this ability. I was Buzz Lightyear. My, to them, you were. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> to everyone. Maybe if I if I had played Buzz, no one would have noticed. You, you instead of Chris Evans. 
Yeah. <laughs> I sound just like Chris Evans as well. <laughs> Listeners, let us know. Does Ellie sound more like Tim Allen or Chris Evans? You be the deciding vote. Those are the two options, by the way, oh, for what my voice sounds like. Uh, I don't want to hear any other options. Those are the only two you're getting. Hmm. Chris Evans, Tim Allen, you decide. Yeah, yeah. American Phoebe Waller-Bridge is not on the list. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's too easy. That's the easy out. We're not going to give you the easy out. So tides uh, in, a, in a non-commercial format, it's it's still really cool. So the Bay of Fundy has significant tidal movement. So it's fifty three feet up to fifty three feet per day. Oh, that is okay. That's a, that feels like a lot for water to be moving in a single day. So I will give it the, up to this bay. The average height variation all over the earth is three feet. So fifty is a lot. Fifty is fifty is a lot. A big amount. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, and then the, the other side, so the Nova Scotia is a peninsula and the Bay of Fundy is in between Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, which is like mainland. So okay. if you think about the edge of the United, the East coast of the United States and you keep going up. <laughs> I know what Canada looks like. You don't need to, I'm not so American centric. You have to start with the U.S. I'm, I am familiar with what Canada looks like. I just realized I made an American joke like a Canadian. Oh, <laughs> you've officially adapted. You are you are becoming one of them. It is your culture now, and you have to, and you just have to assume that all Americans need to start. So if you go from Maine, <laughs> no, I was going to start you from from like New York <laughs> to make sure. <laughs> no, I know you know where Maine is. <laughs> But I wasn't sure that you knew that Nova Scotia is a peninsula. Yes. No, I would I have been able to say that offhand? Probably not. But like when you when you start describing the peninsula and then where uh, New Brunswick would be, it's like, OK, I, yeah, I know what maps are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so the Bay of Fundy, because of that, the shape of the bay, it's essentially funnel shaped. Mm -hmm. And so bays have kind of a natural oscillation period in addition to tides as well. So. Mm -hmm the bays will kind of naturally be moving in or moving out. And those oscillation periods differ in like the amount of time, their speed, the amount, like the amount, but it's essentially what's happening is the water's almost sloshing. Like you're tilting a bowl of water. Right. Cause it's just sort of like stuck between these two points of land and moving yeah. in and out with the tides. Yeah. So you've got the water that's kind of tipping back and forth. And then you also have the tides. So what happens in the Bay of Fundy, it has an oscillation period of 12 hours. So it's just like the tides. Did you... And so the, the combination leads to that huge tidal movement. It's because the bay is oscillating at the same rate as the tides. Did you ever watch that video where the, the, the guy debunked a lot of flat earth stuff and he, he used a lake in Canada. I'm trying to remember if it was Lake Fundy or not, because it feels like it might, I might, I'll send you that video later and we can talk off mic about it, but it's, it's interesting because he talks about like, you can see the coast fading and like that's how a lot of them would use their art like well you shouldn't be able to see like the the curve getting bigger as like the tides go down and then it's like no if you get a camera out there you can because that's how that's how it works you, you just listen to science assholes <laughs> okay, this isn't a flat earth episode we're building up to that one. Oh god <laughs> i don't know if i have the strength for that nick <laughs> 
you don't you don't want to tackle every single myth and and propagated falsehood that the flat earth community has has started throwing out there tell you what you go down that rabbit hole and you can write that um oh, see you're acting like I, I probably couldn't do a lot of it offhand unfortunately already <laughs> i just don't I, more than anything i don't want to give that any sort of fire like fuck yeah. that belief system yep absolutely um so the huge water flow in the bay of fundy which is it's actually quite important that the world is a globe for this entire episode to work so see that's why i brought up flatter theory yeah it's that we've been talking about globes like a lot today we actually uh, have yeah like this has been a really a really globe heavy episode globe heavy episode like that's is what it is you know uh so the huge water flow creates the largest whirlpool in the western hemisphere weird there is uh, a set of rapids that actually reverse with the tides so the rapids go out of the bay and then back into the bay so they completely change direction can every time the tide does can you right. like go in them or is it dangerous hmm? people go kayaking in there that sounds actually really awesome yeah i've heard it's awesome i've never gone but i've heard it's amazing <laughs> um yeah it's something i want to do at some point and then there's also a huge rocky beach that disappears so like literally you go from there being a rocky beach to there not being a rocky beach because it's okay. I'm moving so big. All and you right. have to like plan your day. It's like, like do we want to do the rocks today or do we not want to do the rocks? Well, because okay, so you need to be on the rocks and you have to get off the rocks because you will lose the ability to get off the rocks. And uh, then it's that easy. sort of got it. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. Like it becomes right. dangerous if you don't have the rocks. Got okay, cool. Yeah, you don't want to be on the rocks when the tide comes in. Gotcha. And miss that bit because <laughs> it will be very hard suddenly to get off the rocks. <laughs> um, and that's so, and that's the case anywhere where there's tides, right? Like, so you need to be if you are crossing on uh, mm -hmm. a patch of land that may not exist. Um, but it is particularly, I think, that so the case in the Maritimes, a lot of them have higher tides anyway. So, like I said, um. Like on the other side of Nova Scotia, the tides on the Halifax side, they're still eight to 10 feet, um, which is bigger than the, the average tide. So you kind of have to plan. That's, like, that's a good amount. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you, you can see the beach change pretty significantly. It's really cool. All right. So there you go. Uh, Canada Board of, or Tourism Board of Canada, pay us, please. You're welcome. Yeah. We're yeah. going to encourage tens of people to go, to go visit that spot now. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the cruise ships are already coming here like almost every day. Um, but I don't think many of them go to the Bay of Fundy. So there no. you go. Missed opportunity. Now now yeah. you guys better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think I did. I send you pictures of the giant. There's a giant cruise ship here a couple weeks ago. Maybe not even. I don't think you did. Oh, I'll send you pictures. You'll have them send them, but yeah. Yeah, it's like the fourth largest cruise ship in the world. And it was the largest one to ever come to Halifax. It's huge. There was a 10-story water slide off the back of it. I'm stuck between ships shouldn't be that big and oh, holy shit, I kind of want to be on there. You know, like it's... I I want to... I was, so I, was, I was talking... So you could tell who was from Halifax and who wasn't because all of us were standing around taking pictures of the boat and the tourists were walking around. <laughs> well, this is normal and we're like, no, it's not, guys. We literally, we, we, we left the office, like piled in a car and all drove down to go see the cruise ship and take pictures of it. And then we were surrounded by like 50 other people also taking pictures of the cruise ship because we'd all heard it was the big cruise ship. We were like, oh my gosh, we have to go see it. 
um, so that was, it was very cool to see. Um, but yeah, there's a huge water slide and all of these things. And I bet not one of them saw the Bay of Fundy, although some of them probably saw Peggy's Cove, which is pretty cool too. <laughs> they, they don't know the right spots to go. They need to go to spots with all, with the cool tide movements. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah. I feel like I've covered, we've covered- I was about the, to ask, like, are there any more well? fun facts about tides or? Uh, I don't, I'm out of ads. Uh, <laughs> that I make up on the spot. Uh, more paint sponsorship for us. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm out of improvised tourism ads and title fun facts, so. All right, well, I guess I've been Nick Lemmer. I'm Ellie Vaisa. And this has been an Everyday Dissection. An Everyday Dissection is hosted by Nick Lemmer on Twitter at Lemmer underscore Nick and Ellie Vaisa on Twitter at Alil Ellie. You can find the podcast on Twitter at eDissect and on our website, anchor.fm slash an everyday dissection. Our theme music was written by Evan Zobel and our art was created by Madeline Henriksen, who you can find on Instagram at art that is no bueno. Like our podcast? Please leave a review and don't forget to like and subscribe. This episode's totally real science fun fact. Only two things in life are certain. The tides will change and the cabbage cart is getting wrecked. <laughs>